The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. and welcome to Autism Live. I am Shannon Penrod and we are coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. It is my great, great pleasure to be here with you today, especially because it's Wednesday and it's time for Ask Dr. Doreen and we have Dr. Doreen Grampichet here with us. She's going to be joining us in just a second live and she's going to be answering your questions. So for me, that's a rah-rah, sis-boom day, right? Thrilled to be here with you though. We are going to be live for the next hour. Traven's going to show you some of the different ways that you can connect with us, both during the next hour, and if you're watching this later on uh, recorded in any of the many ways that he's showing you, that you can watch it. I want to remind you always that our homepage is autism-live, and when you go there, there's a lot going on on the page. There's lots of things to do. I encourage you to tootle around on a day when you've got a little bit of time and find the things that you need. You don't have to use everything on the page, but uh, we have a library of videos there that can help you, whether it's at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, your time, right, that you can check in you can search in a multitude of different ways there is a search feature put in the keywords that you're interested in and it'll give you a series of videos if you want to search past ask dr doreen's up at the top it says search by topic it, you click on it and it's a drop down menu and right now the only thing on the drop down menu is ask dr doreen but if you go in there it lets you for instance put in the word toilet training and it will show you all of the videos that we've done on toilet training but it'll show you the question that was asked. If you click on it, it takes you directly to that episode when Dr. Doreen is answering that question, which I really love. By the way, that feature is coming up soon. I know we've been promising it for a while, um, but you'll be able to do that with our Temple Grandin videos as well. And we hope to just keep adding to that um, drop-down menu. But, you know, most important that you can find all those questions from Ask Dr. Doreen uh, right now. Uh, but don't forget that also there is a chat button at the bottom of the page. If you click on the chat button, it opens up a box. You can type and hit enter. It's free. It's anonymous. It shows up here on my screen. And in that way, you can be having a conversation with me, with Dr. Grampuche, with our experts that are on the show at other times. There is a little bit of a lag and a little bit of delay. And I know that what happens is that uh, at the start of the show, you guys are watching and, and everything's wonderful. And then right at the end of the show, everybody sends in questions. We can't possibly answer all of the questions. So I do like to tell you, we like to go through, pick ones um, that we think will be of the most use to people out there. But I also pay attention to when people are persistent. So if your question doesn't get answered today, I do move it on to another day to ask it but if you are persistent and send the question again it really gets my attention and we try to answer those questions uh, so I hope that that works for you we really enjoy having an opportunity to interact with you I gotta say it's the most fun thing that we do here. So please participate with us. It's all free. Uh, we're trying to be on more screens for you at more times so that we can keep that interaction going. Sound good? All right, I don't want to waste any more time because it's time for Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grandpichet is the- Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grandpichet. Dr. Grandpichet. Dr. Doreen Grandpichet. Dr. Doreen Grandpichet is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen on Autism Live. We're here with Dr. Doreen Grampichet. Good morning. Good morning. Always thrilling to be here with you. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Grampichet is a true expert in the field of autism. She is the founder of CARD, the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, also the founder of Autism Care Today. Uh, an incredible person, been working in this field for years. Uh, she's much, uh, she looks much younger than you would believe by the number of years that she's been working in this field. But
but she is a, a true visionary. I always say you can see around corners where autism is oh, concerned. thank you very much. I want to grow up to be her. Uh, <laughs> and that's the truth. Um, but uh, I can't because she's got the position taken. So I, I love to be her sidekick for this hour um, so that you can ask questions. I do want to remind you that there is no expert in any field who could give individually specific advice in this particular format, but send your questions, be as specific as possible, include the closest major city to you so that she can know and that I can know what resources might be available to you in that area. And we can also go look to see once we know what area that you're in. Exactly. All right, so welcome. Thank you very much. Thrilled that you're here. Uh, I wanna start with um, yesterday, you know on Tuesdays we do a best of, where we mm. play the best of, different clips of Autism Live. And yesterday we played uh, the, a best of uh, Dr. Temple Grandin, because mm -hmm. we've had her on the show a lot. And somebody wrote in and asked the question, and I said to them that you were gonna answer it for them today. How do I stop my nonverbal child hurting me? Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was something urgent that we needed to get to right today with the best expert that there is. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Grampuche, what do you say to this parent? Yeah, thank you very much, Shannon. And I, I'm, first of all, as Shannon, would say air hugs to yes, you because absolutely. honestly uh, that is such a tough thing it's it's one of the most difficult things we deal with um, I would need to ask you a lot more questions Sorry. before I can't sure do you want to no <laughs> I muted it I, I, I <laughs> was looking to see questions on the live feature and it brought up the live show so we were getting a little echo my bad I no apologize problem. I just want to make sure that I, I I have to ask these parents a lot of questions before I can help you because uh, you know, what I always like to tell parents is that aggression of any kind, uh, in fact, all challenging behaviors, running away uh, as well, you know, throwing objects, any kind of aggression, all of challenging behaviors are communication. They're actually the way the child is trying to tell you something. And so they're not doing it just because they, you know, ha have fun doing it. It's because they're gaining something from it. They're trying to communicate something by doing that. And so as, you know, in our field, what we try to do is we try to find out exactly what they're trying to communicate. So I would ask, and, and of course the child being nonverbal, you'd think that it makes it harder to understand what it is they're trying to communicate. But there's a, a clever way that behavior analysts uh, find out what the communication is, what the reason is. And that's called a functional behavioral assessment. And what you do through an FBA is that we, uh, you answer a series of questions and that helps us identify if your child is trying to avoid a situation, if your child is trying to gain access to a, a tangible object, if your child is trying to gain access to just attention, uh, what is the function of that hitting, that behavior? And, um, you know, I guess the best way for you to find that out is either you can write in and tell Shannon a little bit more about uh, the circumstances, like when does your child hit you? Um, or, you know, under what circumstances? Is it right after you've placed a demand? Is it when the child wants to get your attention so they can gain access to something? Like, when is it that they hit you? Um, and that's one way, and then we'll try to help you. The other way is you can go online on our Institute for Behavioral Training. Is, is um, the BIP Builder, the CIFA, it's on skills, right? Or yeah. Is it on the, you go on skills. You go on skillsforautism.com, and there's a section on there that is called the CIFA, which is Card Indirect Functional Assessment, and on there you will be able to answer a bunch of questions about this behavior and it'll help you identify exactly what the function is. Now why is it important to find the function, the reason, the thing your child's trying to communicate? It's important because the way you treat the behavior is different depending on that function. So for example, if a child is hitting you <clears throat> because they want to gain access to, let's say, an object, you would treat that a different way. You would block access to the object, you would prompt the child to say something verbally to request the object, then you would give the object. However, if the child is hitting you because they're very frustrated from a situation they're trying to 
escape from, you would make sure they don't escape from the situation. You would have them vote, like write down or touch an icon for why they are. And when I say when I say like we tell our children to say or speak, I don't mean vocalize. They can also communicate by touching a, a written word, touching a picture. Uh, there's many ways that we we speak. It's not always vocal in nature. So, but the main point with these challenging behaviors is to find out why they're occurring, prevent the child from doing that behavior, and instead teach the child a more functional way of communicating and then reward that. So as I said, you can either go on skills and look for the CIFA and answer all those questions, or just write back into Shannon and explain a little bit more detail when exactly your child, under what circumstances they hit you, and then yeah. I'll try to help. I always tell the story of um, when it was our 10th wedding anniversary, we went to Las Vegas, and we went as a family. We take our child on. <laughs> on our anniversary yeah. trip, because that's how we roll. And But we uh, got tickets to go to the Cirque du Soleil Mystere. Yeah. And they encourage you to come early oh, yes. because there's a guy who comes out and does all this, you know, right. uh, improv with the audience. So we went and we're in our seats early. And, you know, I was a little concerned about how Jem was going to do, but he was far enough along that, you know, I was, was less fine. concerned. Um, but we were sitting up a tier that, the tier below us, there was a family. Two older parents with a young woman who was in a wheelchair and was clearly non-vocal. Um, and she, uh, the, the guy came out and he started interacting with the audience and she started to make some noise. Mm -hmm. and, and then the noise sort of escalated and she was trying to move her wheelchair back and the parents were trying to calm her and yeah. to get her to stay. Yeah. And we were just watching it escalate. And they could feel all the audience stopping to watch the magician and starting to watch them, right? And there was a yeah. part of me, I was like, I, you know, what, I have no credentials, but I, I really want to go up and say, can I help? But that'll make it worse. You know, it's that thing about what do I do? And just trying to, like, focus on the magician and, and like, think love at this family. But things were escalating, escalating, escalating. And then, um, and and the the girl in the wheelchair was getting more and more agitated, and it was clear that she wanted out of there. To me, but I know as a parent, when you're in the moment, sometimes it isn't clear because you're yes, right there and you can't course. see it. And I had a bird's eye view and wasn't having the emotional thing of what was happening. But it got you know more and more and more, and then the the girl hauled off and hit who was probably the mother. And everybody in the audience had this, you know, reaction. And of course, this woman, you know, you could tell that it was just like a small death. And and because that's, I, I mean, I've been hit by my child when he was younger and little, and we hadn't, he didn't have the words, and we didn't have the intervention. It's devastating, yes, right? It's yes. absolutely devastating. And then it was like, well, you know, and you saw the resignation of this couple, and they were like, all right, come on, let's go. And they took her, and they they left. Well, then, you know, the magician finished up and they said there's like a 10-minute break and then the show will start. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to use the ladies' room during this 10-minute break, right? And I go and there they are in the ladies' room because what the girl in the wheelchair needed was to go to the bathroom. That whole thing happened because she didn't have a functional way of saying I need to go to the bathroom. And if you think about it, I mean, look, when I have to go to the bathroom, like I have the autonomy to go, yeah. get up and go. Yeah. Um, and when I don't, like I've been a school teacher where that was not an option. You couldn't leave your school. It's horrible. Right. It's horrible. And and I, I felt so bad. And of course, they never came back in because the mom thought that we were all going to judge her. And so they had paid tickets. I'm sure that they didn't get their money back. And all I could think was, oh, if that young woman just had a way to press a button yep. to say, bathroom, please, um, this didn't have to happen. Right. But I think anybody would hit if they had tried repeatedly. She didn't want to wet her pants. Right, right. And so, but, you know, God bless that mom. She didn't know. She didn't know. She's not a mind reader. Right. Um, so that functional communication piece, we've had so many people be on the show who use assistive technology, technology that at one point didn't have it, who say to us all the time, please, please, please make sure that you are giving people who don't have a voice a way to communicate. Absolutely. Because if they don't have it, they, are, they, don't, they don't take relish 
most of them, in having to hit to get what they want. That was a really good point. Right? Um, but we would all resort to that if we didn't have a way that we could be heard. Uh, absolutely. There's no question about it. And <clears throat> we also, not only, well, not only would we resort to that, but the problem with not having a functional communication system like an iPad or just a picture board like a PEX system or something like that is that you also can be misunderstood, right? So yes. like for example, in that case, we know now that she wanted to use the bathroom. Yeah. What if it had nothing to do with the bathroom? Yes. What if really what she wanted was to just n avoid that show because the noise right. was bothering right. her, right? Which I think is what the parents ultimately thought. Right, right. And so there's so many different things that are happening and we just don't know unless we actually figure out the function of these behaviors. The only way you can really do that is the child, it is super, super important to always ask yourself when a challenging behavior happens, what is my child trying to communicate? Yeah. And of course, as Shannon said, the sooner that you they get on some sort of communication system, nonverbal, nonvocal, uh, the sooner you'll overcome this problem because then they'll start to be able to let you know. Yeah, I mean, they literally chart it for you on a, on a graph and, and when, when ch children of any age of any ability, typical or otherwise, begin to be able to be able to communicate mm -hmm. those tantrums, oh, you know, for a lot of people we call it the terrible twos because that's the time <clears throat> period where a typically developing child is going through that, I don't know how to get my needs met, yes. um, and I, I don't have the words, right? But whenever we see that somebody has functional, like if the challenging behavior is up here and the language is here, and we start to teach language and that starts to go up, it creates this magic X. Yeah. on the graph that you see over and over and over again. So I just, you know, for me, yeah. it's almost like it's a human's, human rights issue for me at this right. point. Right. That, um, and I mean it for the individual, but also for the parents, because we get into an upside situation where Absolutely. we're being hit and we don't know... You know, it's through no fault of us that we don't know what to do, Absolutely. right? But since you're asking, you know, like avail yourself of the help that's available to you. Make sure that you get this, this individual functional communication, that you're working with experts because this can get so much better yep. for, for that individual and for you. I get goosebumps when I think about how much your life can change if you're able to get that support and help. Right. And here in the United States, there's insurance. Um, and there are ways to insurance and please write to me. Let's, let's help you to figure it out. Cause I hate it when I hear that a parent is being hit because at some That's point right. you begin, I know, cause I was there at some point you begin to think, uh, well, I probably deserve this. Yeah. That yeah. happens. It happened to me, Ugh, and it's, so, he's only so... hitting me, so it must be something that I'm doing. I must deserve this. And you get all upside down. And I just want to reach out to all of those parents and go, come on, let's get some help. Yeah, honestly. And Shannon, thanks for saying that because, like, you know, as you know, now I'm like, as I am not yet, but soon coming up for air. <laughs> I keep saying it. She, it's the, it's the, the other R word that nobody wants to say, retirement. retirement. I'm um, supposedly retired, but I've never been working harder than I, now. I warned you. I know, I it's so you. crazy. But I mean, through um, Autism Care Today Act, the other uh, very important organization to me, what I really want to do is um, kind of focus on some of the important things and help act make those things happen and, and what you said actually really resonated with me because if there are families out there where their children still cannot communicate I would be very interested in putting a, a grant package at ACT where we provide an iPad the let's say protocol or one of the programs right. for communicating which you don't even really need anymore with iPad but as well as a, a package of training yeah. so that people actually learn how to teach their nonverbal children to use this to communicate. Yeah. And that would be, if there are, I, you know, are there a lot of families still out there who have either young or adult children who have no means of communication? 
and they don't have the, the ability to get them some sort of functional communication system. I mean, there are people out there. There absolutely are. And, and more than that, there are people who don't understand that funding is available for it. Right, right. And worse than that, there are people who are upside down and think this is my life yeah. and this is what yeah. I deserve yeah. and this is just how it's going to be and nobody understands right. so I'm not going to talk to anybody about it. Those people are Amazing. out there yeah. and that crushes my heart yeah, because that is, I know what it feels like to feel that way but it's not the truth. Right. Right. And so if you're within the sound of my voice right now and you're hearing that and going, uh-oh, that's me, please reach out. Right. My email is s.penrod at autism-live.com and let me begin a conversation with you about, it's individual for everybody, what is available, unfortunately. I wish right. it was a level playing field. But let's have a conversation. I will not judge you. I have been in that place. I showed up at one of my card clinics once and said, I'm not leaving until you help me because because uh, I had not been honest with them before that. I was embarrassed and ashamed and afraid of how they were going to look at me and how yeah. they were going to look at my child. But I was like, he is hitting me in the head and something bad's going to happen. I don't know what to this day. I don't know what that was, but I knew that there was a scary cliff and that something bad was going to happen. Uh, you know, like, and I don't even like to think about what that might have been, but I was like, this is not, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Gosh. Right. And they, they helped me that day. I was super, super lucky because I was already at card. I was yeah. having to fill out the papers to come to card. I was already at card. And, and so, Shannon, I mean, on that note, like reliving that, that experience, I think another important thing we can talk about here for our viewers is that. As parents, when our kids hit us, we have the, the reaction to hold them, pick them up, cuddle them, uh, try to calm them, give them love, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, why are you angry? Why are you hitting me? I'm going to love on you. And that is terrible because that ends up increasing that behavior, you know? So that's also what's part of this is that you, you, our instinct is pretty much the opposite of what you're supposed to do in that situation. I got to tell you, though, there's the flip of it, too, that, um, oh, that you, you get know, angry. And well, you get hit and there is a natural response to hit back. Yes. And, you know, and you get hit enough. The yes. fact that the, the, that it's your child yes. gets fuzzy. Yes. Like there is a natural instinct. Absolutely. And, and that is one of the most terrifying things to feel as a parent, yes. to feel yes. like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. My natural instinct is to defend myself and right. hit back. Right. Like nobody wants to be on that page. Let's get some help for some folks. Absolutely. Reach out. I won't judge. All right. We should take a break. And then when we come back, before we go to break, I just want to say I'm going to come back and address a question that was written in by a card family. And I love it when a card family writes in. But I also want to tell everybody, and we had a another question um, from a card family about something really specific. So if you are a card parent and you're getting treated at card, I want to let you know, if you don't already know, that we have a new department at card. It's called the Caregiver Support Department. And uh, I uh, am one of the people in that department, aside from my job at Autism Live, I am now the Director of Parent Relations and Orientation. And uh, like, hmm. And um, one of my favorite things is to be talking to card parents about how to get the most out of their card program. So I really, you know, love to take new parents who want to know all about card and tell them about that. And, and I love to talk to parents who've been around a card and say, hey, here are all these things that I don't know if you know, because some of them are new and, you know, to, to get the most out of it. Um, but uh, there is another person in our department who is Cecilia Knight, and she is the director of parent support and parent education, caregiver education. So she deals with all that ongoing education, but both of us together uh, lead a team of people who are called caregiver support coordinators. They, you have a caregiver support coordinator who is assigned to your area and they uh, will call you on, on a semi-regular basis and you can call them at any point. And when you call them, um, if you're having any kind of difficulty and you just need some help and support, um, they will take all your information down, that information gets shared and sent to the right people so that that problem can be resolved. Um, we love it when you write us and tell us great things, but we also love fixing the hiccups that come along big and small, um, which are a natural part of any ABA program. So 
I hope, if nothing else, if you're having an issue, and we're going to address this one issue, but uh, please write to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com. That email works for both things. And tell me, and I will make sure that we put your caregiver support coordinator. We'll write it all up. We have a whole system, a workflow that it goes through, and then we check to make sure that it's better. Right. Um, we're very diligent about that. I'm very proud of the work that we're doing. So please don't hesitate to do that. But when we come back, we're also um, going to ask a question that's specifically for Dr. Grampuchet from a, uh, a CARD parent. So stick with us. Hey, I'm Candace Cameron Murray. Tom Bergeron. You're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. You're watching Autism Live. Do you provide care services to someone with autism? Recently, more and more children are being diagnosed with the condition and getting the support they need as awareness grows. But what happens to these children as they grow up? It's estimated that over half a million youth with autism will turn 18 in the next decade, and they'll be faced with a very difficult reality. As children with autism grow up, their services start to disappear or become very difficult to access. Things like medical care, mental health counseling, vocational training, and more. All services that are still desperately needed. The loss of support that youth with autism face as they grow up is so severe that it's referred to in the autism community as falling off a cliff. Adults with autism need the same level of support they had as children to avoid falling off the services cliff. Introducing Skills Living, the web-based software designed specifically to help transitioning youth and adults with autism so they can avoid the cliff and instead fly to success. With Skills Living, help your learner with autism develop the skills they need in all the critical areas of adult life, including self-control, planning, and problem-solving. Effective communication, performing life skill tasks for independent living, acquiring and maintaining employment or other meaningful activities, developing and maintaining social skills and relationships, accessing transportation and public services, and being safe. Skills Living includes a comprehensive assessment, a data collection mobile app, behavior intervention plan builder, and automatic progress reporting. It also provides a complete curriculum addressing 16 key areas spanning the entire range of functioning adulthood. Skills Living is easy to use and can be implemented by schools, parents, and autism service providers. Call or click today for your free demo and see how Skills Living can help your learner with autism avoid the cliff and instead reach their fullest potential. Skills Living. Wish. Learn. Become. Welcome back to Autism Live. Was that an actual noise that went with the curtain, Straven? I was like, what is that? I think that's a curtain noise. Okay. Uh, and welcome to this Wednesday where we have Dr. Doreen Grampiche for a segment that we call Ask Dr. Doreen. She's here answering your questions live. Now, we, I said that we were going to come back to a question from a CARD parent. She says, hi, Dr. Doreen. My son has been with CARD for six years. Um, six years now, as he is making progress, his social remains very low. It's like he's a five-year-old, but he is nine. I see his siblings, how their conversations are age-appropriate, but his dialogues are so immature. What can I tell my supervisor to push? Also, if I need someone to chime in on our clinics, who do I contact? I feel that we have hit a wall for the last two years, and my team is stuck. I don't want to waste any more time. I'm still trying to get on your calendar. Also, negative attention seeking, OMG, what do we do? We ignore, but the world doesn't. Yeah. How true is that? That's so right. I'm just taking some notes. And, and so I'm, I and I'm sending sure I... the air hug here. Yeah, air yeah hug. absolutely. And, you know, like, I, I just want to start by saying that I, I apologize because sometimes it's very, very hard to focus and receive the kind of stuff that your child specifically needs. Um, and so I'll do my best to help you here. And I, I appreciate that your card parents and Shannon and I have talked about doing a separate thing for just card parents where they can actually call in and give us a lot more specifics and we can try to help them no matter what, no matter what the scenario is. Yeah, like I'm absolutely. always just here to help. Um, so the, the thing that's, jumps out at me at first is that your child has been receiving services for six years. 
So with, to me, that means that you probably don't have the level of funding that is ideal because six years of funding, you're running out. So yeah. payers, usually our payers are pretty adamant about fading out after the second year. So after two years, we start to get a lot of pushback and a lot of uh, kind of requests to get out. Now, especially if the child is also past eight, which in your case, your child is, the fact that you're getting any funding right now is a blessing. Yeah. Let's just start there. But it makes it very hard. And this is sort of one of the things that I've always been very concerned about. And like, I mean, it's, it's the reality, but it's sad, is that every hour of therapy that is not funded obviously impacts how much progress we can make. It's like, you know, if you want to build muscle, uh, and you work out two hours versus 10, uh, well, guess what? The person working out 10 hours is probably gonna build more muscle. And so with our uh, situation, it's a little bit, it's pretty similar in the sense that uh, the more therapy you do, the higher chance there is that your child will get to those higher level lessons, social being the key here. So it's one thing, you will always see progress faster in the early years. Why? Because the lessons that we're teaching are a lot, lot, lot easier. So for example, if I'm teaching a child to verbalize, you know, this is cup, give me the blue toy or whatever it is, those types of, it, it, that type of instruction is very kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's concrete. It's very easy to teach that stuff. Social lessons are very hard because they're basically abstract. Your supervisor shouldn't be stuck because they're guided by skills. And skills is a cur very, very rich, heavy, rich uh, curriculum in the social area. Uh, in fact, there's a whole section on just social communication. So there's lessons there and uh, a lot of guidance on how to approach those lessons. Uh, if your supervisor is remote, that means they're not in your office, they're somewhere else, which often happens because we only have about 360 VCBAs and we actually could probably use 1,000. Um, if, if, if your supervisor is remote, then obviously it becomes a little bit harder because you might have different supervisors and that is tough and I apologize for that. If your supervisor needs assistance or guidance, all you have to do is say, hey, I think I would really like to get a consultation with your, the clinical director. I also don't know why you're not on my calendar. I would be happy to also consult. I don't know where you are. Um, I am trying to start traveling this year so I can go to the sites and see as many kids as possible. Uh, just write into Shannon and maybe let her know where you are and if you're near, if you're in one of the ten locate ten. I'm going to ten regions this year. Each region will be a bunch of clinics. So if I can see you when I'm there, that's great. If not, I'd be happy to see you here in LA. Please, um, we'll get you on my calendar. My calendar is better. It's definitely better than it was uh, two months ago. So, but you can reach directly out to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com. Uh, you know, you can put in the subject line, you know, ask Dr. Doreen. Yeah. Um, so that I know that it's a question about something that we talked about here. You can you can say to me there, I'm trying to get on her calendar. I'll make sure that that gets to the right person. Right. You can tell me where you are so that I can make sure that if, if she, uh, in some of those regions I might be going with her, that we can make sure that you, you get hooked up. So feel and free also, to email me. Right, and also like, uh, you know, you also have access to other senior clinicians here at CARD, such as Evelyn Kong, our yep. clinical director. And Evelyn is happy to, she's also incredibly good with the social arena. We also have what's called CLMs or clinical managers in our various sites. And depending on where you are, there are senior clinicians in the regions who basically are very good at one area or another or all. And so the social, we would be happy to consult with your supervisor and give them more ideas or maybe they don't feel comfortable with those lessons. But going back to, so the lessons are there, we can give the feedback to your supervisor. The thing that I wanna to touch on is the fact that if your hours are limited, 
progress in the social area takes a very long time. So if I'm teaching a child to like touch an object or label an object or tell me what they did, that's one thing. You'll see progress there. But if I'm teaching a child a social behavior, let's say social communication, right? Social communication involves a million different uh, steps. So for example, I would have to teach the child how to join a group of kids and how that's different from talking to just one kid. Um, how to interact when they're in the group. So that means how do I bring a subject up that is of interest to others? That's one, is one lesson. Uh, how do I repair the conversation if, I, if kids are walking away? In fact, how do I even recognize that kids are not, the others are not interested? So that's like learning facial expressions. And then how do I repair the conversation? That means changing the topic to something that's of interest. That involves monitoring myself so that I am not uh, focused on one subject or another, but I'm listening to people and able to tag on to their conversation. How do I take turns with the conversation so I'm not hogging the whole conversation? I mean, there's like a million you know, uh, different lessons that all go into one thing, which is appropriate social communication. And how do I differentiate people who are my friends versus acquaintances versus adults versus other kids? How do I uh, pay attention to the environment I'm in? It's one thing to have social communication on the playground. It's a different thing in the library. I mean, there's, there's all these factors that we have to teach one by one, and it all just comes into one thing, which is communication. And so it, it takes a lot of hours uh, to do that. And if your child is nine, I'm guessing they're also in school. So that means that we, at most, should, I'm just making a guess, but most of my nine-year-olds will probably have a, somewhere around 10 hours a week. And with 10 hours a week, you're going to see very slow progress just because these lessons are, are, they require a lot of instruction before you can see the final product. And so uh, just keep those things in mind. And again, on our end, we'll do everything we can to try to improve and help and like give you give your supervisor more help and guidance. But the other side of it is that after like six years of doing this, maybe what we need to be doing is looking at other environments such as school. What are they doing? Can we help your school system? Can we help work with them? Can we teach them? That's where your child is probably spending 30 hours a week. Right. Um, are there other social activities after CARD, outside of CARD on the weekends maybe, that your child can benefit from? What else can we do to help increase this social behavior? Okay. Uh, I want to do a couple of quick shout outs to people who've been writing in on YouTube. Uh, we, we have several different time zones who are watching. Great. So somebody has written in and said, good afternoon. Somebody else said, good evening from Dubai. Wow. Uh, someone else wants to know, do you use ABA to bring forth speech from a nonverbal child? Which we sort of, of covered course. a little bit Absolutely. at the start of the show. Yes, yes. I would ask you to rewind and talk a little bit about, well, but, but of course, it, it, ABA. Sure. Uh, absolutely. And that's all, uh, you know, it starts out with, with mandate which is essentially teaching a child to use verbals to uh, request items. And the, yes, you do use ABA to instigate speech. Wonderful. And uh, we have somebody who says, love you guys. We love you back. Thank you. Uh, somebody else who says, I really wish she can speak in French. And the thing is, guess what, folks, she can. Je parle français aussi. Okay, is the noise I make part of ASD um, that somebody has written in? Um, and they say that the noises that they make are quite loud. So this is someone who's on the spectrum who's writing in, the, in and saying that they make loud noises. Is that part of their ASD? That the person themselves make loud noises? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I would love to learn more about that. So the, our, our philosophy on why our children make noises is varied. We have many different thoughts about why the children like to echo or repeat sounds. Uh, some people believe that this has to do with the sensory input and that they enjoy this sensory input. Others believe that they are so sensitive to all the surrounding environmental noises that exist uh, that we don't hear, that they hear. For example, lights, um, you know, fluorescent lights have a sound. Most of us don't hear that stuff, uh, but indiv individuals with autism, some are very sensitive to those types of noises. And I've been told by some of my adults 
that the, the environmental noises are so many that they need to make a sound themselves in order to kind of be louder than the environmental noises. So there's a lot of theories about why uh, individuals on the spectrum make these kind of repetitive sounds or noises. Yeah. Um, but again, it's also something that's not unique. I think a lot of hearing impaired individuals uh, talk about making noises and how that is a sensory experience that's very different than ours. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of people who are writing in about being hit. Um, so oh. I'm just going to, so a mom who says my son hits me anytime he doesn't like what I say. Right. Um, and this is what we were talking about before is let's get you some help. Um, because that's that's not how your world should work and it's not how his world should work, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like, let me just touch on that real quickly. When, when you say he doesn't like what I say, <clears throat> that means that what he's trying to communicate is somehow something like, no, I don't want to do that, or no, leave me alone, no, I want a timeout, I want a break, whatever it is. Try to teach him that communication. And if you can teach him that communication, um, it will help replace the hitting. Because the whole point is to help our kids communicate more appropriately rather than hitting. Remember, all the hitting is just the child trying to say something. Yeah. Then another person has written in and says, do you have any suggestions for me? This is from Facebook. My friend's daughter, um, uh, ADS, she's 11, has grown up a great deal physically. So when she has a meltdown and scratches me and my other daughter and pulls our hair, I suggested cutting her fingernails to remove the weapons and to speak calmly to bear to find out, to, to calmly to her, to find out why she's acting out in a way that hurts the two of us. Any other suggestions? Yeah. So this is a really good example, and thank you very much for writing in, because I want to talk about this for a moment, and it's important for everyone. So it depending, again, I will always say you just... You don't even try to intervene or do anything with the behavior unless you know the function. This is extremely important. In this particular case, yes, it would help for you if you cut her nails short so that when she hits you, it's not hurting you or your other child as much. Yes, no question. But the reason that she's hitting, we have to identify. If she is hitting simply because she wants your attention, then by, by talking to her calmly, you have now given her attention, and she is going to learn that hitting was an effective way of getting your attention. Does that make sense? I want to kind of yeah. repeat that because it's that's like writing so her important. a check and saying, keep doing that because I'll give you what you want. That's right. And I know it, it feels weird. And in a second, we'll talk about the fact that I know you're getting to this. But, you know, when you say don't do anything, it's hard when someone's coming at you and hurting your other child to do nothing. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's blocking and things like that. But finish yes, your thought. Exactly. And that's that's exactly where I was going, Shannon, is that like with hitting, it, again, if the function is I want your attention, then the way to do this is to block and do something else, not give the attention, not give the attention. As Shannon said, it's extremely difficult. That's why you always, it helps to have a BCBA on board or someone who is trained in this field so that they can kind of help you and show you what we mean by saying don't give it attention. Talking to her calmly is not going to work. Um, because basically by talking to her calmly, she's getting your attention. So if that's the, the function, you really have to identify why she is hitting you. Is she hitting you to get attention? Is she hitting you because she doesn't want to do what you told her to do? Is she hitting you because you're giving attention to the other child and she doesn't want you to do that? Like really figure out what it is the function. And then you want to make sure, I mean, in summary, here's what it is. Whatever the function is, Give the child a better way of a, a, a more functional, a more appropriate, adaptive, uh, environmentally, socially appropriate way of letting you know what they want. They can speak, teach them to say exactly what it is. If they cannot speak, teach them to touch an icon, teach them some form of communication that is more appropriate. When they do that, give them whatever they want, the attention, the object, escape, whatever it is. And when they hit, 
don't allow them to get the attention, the object, or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I think when, uh, for, for those of you who are writing in about these kinds of things, I want to give them something to do today. Yes. If you are not already with an ABA provider, I would suggest that, because um, I could tell you here in California, the first phone call might be to the regional center, but those kinds of things take time. Very likely you have insurance somewhere that will pay for ABA. I would tell you to call an ABA provider today and say, you know, how can I get started today? That'd be the first phone call I'd make. Then I would also call if you have something like a regional center, start that phone call and say, I need help today. My child is, is being aggressive. I know that that's a scary thing to call uh, a public health line and say because you're afraid of what you're going to trigger. But the fact of the matter is you need some help and support. And things go bad quickly. Right. When, when kids are being hit and when you have other kids that are at danger, you need help. Now is not the time to be quiet about it. Reach out, get help as 100%. early as possible. Definitely. The fact of the matter is, is dealing it with a three-year-old is easier than dealing with a nine-year-old. And dealing with a nine-year-old is a lot different than dealing with a 19-year-old. And even dealing with a 19-year-old is a lot different than a 45-year-old who is now institutionalized institutionalized and is hitting people, right? So right. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, get off on my bandwagon. Okay. And, and also I want you to know, like, it's not as bad as it is hitting you. If that frustration, if that individual, if that child is not heard, if we don't figure out what they're trying to communicate, their frustration moves from you to other people and to themselves. Yeah. And then when you're in your 40s or 30s or whatever, 20s, you're now injuring yourself, which by the way is a horrible scene as well. So yeah. please, the Get more up. important thing is to figure out the function. And that, you know, as Shannon said, get an ABA person, a behavior analyst to help you or uh, if you want to do something else today, you can go on Skills, Skills for There's Autism, that. and please start filling out the indirect functional assessment. That section of skills will really help you. It's called the CIFA, C-I-F-A, the Card Correct. Indirect Functional Assessment, and you could do that today. Um, and if you're not sure what to do, but you're like, oh, I heard Shannon say do something today, if, email me. Yeah. Email me and I'll separate some time and I'll, we'll find something in your area to, that helps move it a little bit today. Because yeah. that's the thing, is that like it seems like you got to climb Mount Everest and you're looking at the top of the hill going, I know, because I've been there, and you get a little paralyzed, right? right. But you start on the mountain. That's right. And, and then, you know, you're moving in a direction and, and eventually... I have another resource for you, which is uh, the Institutes for Behavioral Training. Yeah. And if you go on that website... There's a whole bunch of shorts, like 20, 30 minutes online trainings on this subject. So you will go in and you'll find these modules and you'll just read what they are and you'll find one that'll say, that says, how do I deal with challenging behavior? Um, there might even be one just on hitting, I don't know. But really go in there and you'll learn so much in 30 minutes about why the individual is hitting, it'll help you tremendously. And they're really inexpensive. Most of them are under $10, which yes. is a, a, you know less than what you'd go buy a book, right? Yeah, it's right there. Uh, okay, Missy writes in on YouTube and says, can ABA still help children with autism who have an underlying anxiety diagnosis? Yes, absolutely, Missy. And, um, you know, I, I've done a lot of presentations on the subject of anxiety in autism. Um, and how they overlap. And I would say, uh, you know, a lot of people have anxiety these days. Uh, individuals with autism have more reason to have anxiety just because if you, you know, I tell, I tell people, just imagine if you had a hard time understanding everything that's going on around you, the language and reading nonverbal cues in the environment, and also, if you then had difficulty tolerating the stimuli in your environment, so noises, uh, visual, the lights, everything kind of was too intrusive, which it is for some of our kids sensory-wise. And then on top of that, if you were, let's say, you had gastrointestinal issues and pain, which some of our patients do have, uh, more than half. And on top of that, if you had sleep issues, um, that are you're not sleeping enough all of this just adds up and piles on and becomes a reason for anxiety so yes of course there's a big big overlap to have anxiety in autism 
but absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of the techniques that we use in in ABA, in Applied Behavior Analysis, or what, what in psychology might be called Cognitive Behavior Therapy, or CBT. And so these are very sort of behavioral exercises that also are within your mind. And these are things that you tell yourself. And, uh, you know, for example, with our very young kids who have a lot of anxiety, we teach them how to do breathing exercises, to so slow down, count, and breathe. And that is something that we use also in CBT therapy. So, yes, there's an overlap. There's a lot of stuff that we do with autism, uh, with ABA, to help with anxiety. Okay, I sort of want to get to all of these questions sure. and we're not going to have time. Uh, okay, I want to address one because we're seeing more of this. This person is writing about the fact that they are in Kuwait. They are currently in a quarantine for the coronavirus and they're wanting to know how do we teach our child that routine changes <sighs> and the dangers of coronavirus. And, I, you know, I, this, I, I mean, I, we're hearing this from more and more of our viewers because we, we're international and people watch us internationally. Um, and there are a lot of different things. I can tell you... Um, that one of the things that we've all been taught here is to um, teach our kiddos to wash their hands while singing happy birthday. Like you don't necessarily have to teach your kid why they're washing their hands, but if you're teaching them to wash their hands with happy birthday, and we've gotten a little bit better on our hand washing here in the United States, and we have all these videos, we need to make a video about teaching kids how to sing and how you do the back so that, you know, you know so you start, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we still have to pay if we sing happy birthday, but you all know <laughs> the tune, right? And you want to sing happy birthday twice. That's the right amount of time to wash your hands and that there is a whole series of things. It's like learning a dance move and you make it fun and then the kids learn how to wash their hands. So that's what I have now here from the experts. No, I love that. <laughs> I love that because I think that teaching, that's a, I love that approach because, you know, what Shannon is saying is I, I don't know and I would recommend that you do what Shannon said because it's a lot better to teach the child the behavior that will help prevent the spread of coronavirus than it is to explain to them about the contagious nature of coronavirus. Because teaching a child about like things that are contagious and blah, 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 will cause a little panic because it's a child and they will overgeneralize and they will then think that everything has germs and you do not want to go to the point where your child is now paranoid about bacteria like that's a whole different problem we, we need to avoid so i think shannon's idea is fantastic in that you just take a series of behaviors that you know will prevent the spread of coronavirus like washing your hands like not hugging people for the next months like not kissing people on the face, not, you know, those types of things, and just teach them those behaviors and say, we're going to do this. And like, what, what, you don't have to, depending on your child's reasoning and ability to understand all of that, I think you're better off teaching the behavior than teaching why. You got to make this stuff fun. Right. Absolutely. And, and instead of focusing on, you know, negatives, let's teach new things like let's learn how to kiss how they do in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. In Hollywood, they air kiss. And so we go, Mwah. Mwah, on both sides and then we make it fun so let's That's let's perfect. hollywood kiss Mwah, mwah, right and make it all that that's a very fun, good idea yeah right because if you get down and then and then get your craft on i'm telling you <laughs> like uh i've been uh, on pinterest uh, checking things out because we're going to do some craft things in the coming month to show people you don't have to go to the store good. you already have things in your house get some crafts out good. you're camping yeah. If you're uh, if you're being quarantined, you're going to call it camping, and you're going to find fun ways to do all these wonderful, enriching things. I've been making a list on Pinterest. You're going to get out your shopping bags, plastic and paper, and we're going to make stuff. Yeah, and Yay! like you know, and in the Middle East, I think you're also like. Uh, I remember uh, there were times where, where weather was so bad. Right. I, I'm from Iran originally, and when I was a child, uh, I wasn't there for many years, but when I was in Iran, I remember sometimes it would be like a lot of snow and you'd be yep. just stuck at home, and uh, you know you do a lot of cooking. Yep. Uh, in the Middle East, you do a lot of cooking, you learn cooking, and that's a, a really good way to keep your child busy as well. Absolutely. but. If we start to be like, oh no, yeah, you know, you then gotta, the kids pick up on that. Right. We don't need that. 
That's right. Because if you're going to be in your house for a while with your kiddo, you got to go, all right, how are we going to make this fun? Yep. And, you know, we, our brains are positive, assumptive machines that solve problems. If you say, you know, oh, no, this is going to be horrible, then your brain is going to find all the reasons why it's horrible. Right. But if you say, how can I make this fun? Your brain will populate that question Absolutely. over and over and over. Absolutely. Make it fun. Okay. Um, another person who is saying, how about split homes and the child isn't wanting to go to the other parent? Please help. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is it's a little rough. bit tough. It is tough. I mean, like, good Lord, like, it's tough enough having split homes. Uh, on top of that, having to explain to your child with autism what's going on. I would, I would again, this is one of those situations where I try to find out why. Mm -hmm. um, this is very, very important. I don't know if you, as the other parent, can be the person to find out why or if there's someone who can accompany the child. It's very important to not attack the other parents, but to identify the reasons why and to try to help uh, kind of make the other environment a more positive environment for your child. Um, you know, when we go through divorce or uh, those types of things, we end up, uh, you know, we all want to have our place be the favorite place. We want the children to like us more, that kind of thing. And it's a very natural response, but the truth is for your child, what's best is to actually make sure that the other place is just as nice and rewarding and fun as your place, that the other parent is doing just as much fun stuff as you are. And although that might go against your own nature of wanting to be the favorite, it is what's best for the child. So. Uh, that's what you need to focus on is finding out what is the reason that your child doesn't want to go to the other place and change that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, the next question is, what are the best forms of assistive communication for a three-year-old nonverbal? We're in Riverside County in Southern California. I mean, there's a lot of different options with regards to assistive communication devices. Um, I don't really have a favorite. There's many, but I will say that these days, uh, the purchase and use of assistive devices has gone significantly down because more and more people are using iPads. So, I, you know, on the iPad, not only does it have a lot of features itself that allows your child to communicate, but you can purchase programs like Proloquo, and there's many others now, that you just load onto the iPad, and, and uh, then the iPad can, can speak for your nonverbal child. So I, I, I would suggest that you probably start with that, maybe start with an iPad. Um, just uh, You just start with keyboarding, really. It's like you have on the iPad, you have the feature of icons. Look that up maybe on the App Store. Uh, there's lots of lots of different uh, applications on the App Store on the iPad where you can look at and see pictures of items that the child might want, and that's probably the best way to start. Uh, Donna wants to know on Facebook, where can I get funding for a device for my two nonverbal sons? And, you know, I will tell you that, first of all, you can start with insurance. More and more insurance is funding um, uh, Og devices. Og devices. Um, and I would encourage you to ask for an iPad. It, it is the best, yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, there are Dynavoxes. There's the LAN system. Um, there are people who are now getting um, Android devices, but ProLoco works best on an iPad. So it is yeah. the preferred, you know, we were just talking on the, we have a, a card PTA meeting and last night somebody was talking about the LAN system, which a lot of schools are pushing the LAN system. But unfortunately, it doesn't communicate well with other things. And if you don't know how to work it, it really, it's, it's like teaching your child a different form of sign language. Yeah. You want your child to be able to communicate. We really like ProLoquo because it's the across the board. It's so user uh, friendly. People can use it. It's, it's a smaller price point. I mean, it's still a little expensive, but insurance a lot of times is paying for it. Autism Care Today has grants mm -hmm. sometimes for um, iPads. United Healthcare Children's Fund has grants for that. There are many, many grants for iPads, but start with your insurance. It's often the easiest way to get That's your true. That's iPad. True. That's true. Um, okay, I'm, I'm rushing because we're almost out of time. But uh, somebody else has written in and said, my son is 31 and he has never been able to communicate. And we've talked a lot about functional yeah. communication. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the fact that it's not too late for that No, individual? absolutely. It's definitely not too late. And some of the most joyful moments of my life have been when I've had a, a, an individual who's an adult who was very self-injurious and, and aggressive uh, learned to use an iPad, and when they did, their life changed. So 
I really, really recommend you. It's the same same stuff for you. I really would suggest that you try to get them to communicate non-verbally. And uh, it is definitely not too late, and it is absolutely the best thing you can do. Okay, we have some, I'm just rushing because we're almost out of time. Uh, Seven-year-old autistic boy who can speak a sentence of three words in his native lang language, which is Arabic. He knows nothing about English. Would he be able to learn and communicate in English through ABA? And what do you usually do with a similar case like, the, like him? He comes from a foreign country that has nothing to do with English. Yeah, so I, it, I always go based on what the future is for that individual. If they're going to be living in an English-speaking country, then I would do all therapy in English. And I would ask the parents also to speak to him in English. Um, uh, if the child is going to go back to an Arabic country, then I understand that. And then I would uh, probably get a group of people who uh, could be trained uh, to do therapy with the child. So uh, that is commonly something we do as well. Uh, you just have to kind of decide where the child is going to be for the next five years or so. Do you, uh, we have like 30 seconds, but do you have to, can I take, keep you two minutes or do you really have to be, you can't, you I, cannot. I just need uh, to be off site at 11.15, so I don't have a lot of time to leave. Uh, oh, okay. But maybe if, if it's a quick one, I could do one more. It's, it goes in the vein of everything we talked about. Uh, two and a half year old son likes to throw toys when he's mad. He likes to throw his brother pretty much anything in his way at the moment. He also likes to hit and bite. He whines incessantly and yeah. cries mommy, yeah. even if mommy has him. Yeah. How can I calm my son? Two and a half. Oh my gosh. Get that's some such ABA a now. You gotta, you, Here, how about you, this? I have this person's email because they wrote direct. I'm going to reach out to you. We need to get you started with ABA. That's the answer, we right? We do. And we need to get the functions of those behaviors identified right away because, like, you know, you never know. He could be having pain. Like, we just don't know yeah. what the reason is and we have to find out. But he's two and a half. What you need right now is help. You need help and you need ABA. And he's the right age. Yes. All right. So I'm going to reach back out to you personally because you emailed me. There we go. We're, we're so out of time, and we're just 35 seconds over. Thank you Thank so you. much. I appreciate you Always so much. Such Always a pleasure. a thrill to have you here. Hey, you guys, we're back here live tomorrow. I don't even have time to tease what it is, and we'll be here on Friday. Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Give your Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you, too. Bye-bye for now.